Welcome to the Work Camper Show, brought to you by WorkCamper.com. This podcast helps you discover how to finance your RV travel dreams. Each one of our episodes will introduce you to people who are already living the RV lifestyle or to work camping opportunities all around the U.S. You'll also learn how to hit the road the right way and make the most of every opportunity. Now let's turn over today's show to your host, Greg Gerber. Today I'll be interviewing a representative from Jackson Hewitt, a company that prepares taxes for businesses and individuals. He will provide some tax advice for work campers and describe an opportunity to make money by preparing returns for others. Today's episode is sponsored by Work Camper News. With its diamond and platinum membership tools, Work Camper News is much more than just a job listing website. When you put the tools of this professional service into action, you'll find out just how easy it can be to turn your work camping dreams into reality. The one-year memberships open the door to a one-stop shop for all things work camping. Being the original resource for work camping, you'll find the largest number of job listings, be able to connect with a community of work campers, and view resources compiled by experts who've been enjoying the RV lifestyle for many years. If you're serious about leading a successful and enjoyable work camping lifestyle, then a Diamond or Platinum membership is for you. You can even get started with a free 30-day trial by visiting www.workcamper.com forward slash trial. Embark on new adventures today with the support of Work Camper News behind you. Matt Nelson is a franchise operator with Jackson Hewitt. His company is based in Dallas, but Matt has offices throughout Texas, New Mexico, Colorado, and California. However, his firm prepares taxes for people in all 50 states. Matt has been preparing taxes for 16 years for people in many different situations. However, work campers are one of the firm's key customers. Consequently, they have helped guide them through a variety of situations. The biggest challenges work campers face is having multiple W-2 forms from different employers, which are often from different states as well. Work campers may also have rental property they are managing while traveling, as well as pension and investment income too. Sometimes work campers receive W-2 forms for jobs they hold, and other times they receive 1099 forms as independent contractors. So Matt describes some of the things to take into consideration regarding both types of reportable income. Matt talks a bit about issues surrounding domicile and the impact selecting a specific state as a domicile can have on taxes. He also talks about some common misconceptions people have about deducting businesses and personal expenses from their taxes. There are some ways work campers can maintain tax records in a way that doesn't require a lot of personal storage space, and Matt outlines some tools available for that. For people who are good with numbers and like helping people, Jackson Hewitt also hires work campers every spring to help other people prepare their own taxes. To learn more about the tax issues impacting work campers today and ways they can make money by preparing taxes themselves next year, please welcome Jackson Hewitt franchisee Matt Nelson to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Matt. I appreciate your time. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been at Jackson Hewitt. Yeah, thanks for having me, Greg. It has been, I'm going on year 16 doing taxes. Started all with Jackson Hewitt a long time ago now, but yeah, been a franchisee for a long time in different multiple states and have done hundreds and hundreds of tax returns, seen all kinds of different situations. So I love tax. It's fun with the different complexities of what everybody has a unique thing going. And so it's fun to be able to dissect and help people in that way. People don't understand what franchisee means. You're part of a big company, but you own a specific part of that company, right? 
That's right. So we have the name brand, big Jackson Hewitt brand. We have their guarantees that are behind us. We have a lot of their marketing that is behind us. But then we also get the freedom to work independently and work how we think might best help our clients as far as far as within locally. So that's one of the big things I love about it is we can help people locally. We can help people really across the nation now with the way the world works, but we still have the training and the expertise to help of the big franchisor. And I understand that you specialize in work campers, that you've been doing a lot of tax returns for them over the years. We have, and it actually started just because we noticed that we had a handful of work campers working for us and they would work for the winter or for the, during the tax season. And then they later would go and work, travel the world or travel the U.S. and work national parks or work other jobs and then come back and return to us. And then as we noticed that was a little bit of a trend, we started advertising it out and it's been a great source of employees as well as customers. So it's been great. What are some of the more common things that you see affecting work tampers when it comes to taxes? Yes. Most people obviously have more than one W-2. So just right there, you add a little bit of complexity just with the number of W-2s. Many people, specifically work campers, are going to work in multiple states. And then they're probably going to have a combination of W-2 versus 1099. And so they're going to have what's called a self-employment income. And so there's going to be complexities with with how the income from each state will relate to other states. And then as well as how certain things may be deductible if they are what's considered self-employed. So those are the biggest two that I've seen. I would imagine that some work campers also have pension income and disbursements from their IRAs and things like that. Does that impact taxes too? Of course. Yeah. So I guess that was just the tip of the iceberg when I mentioned the 1099 or the multiple states, but yeah, most, many people are going to have, maybe some people that we've noticed, they may have a rental property that's in, that they rent that out their house and then they go out and travel. So there's, there could be rental income, there could be pensions, like you mentioned, there could be distribution. So many people take a distribution and use that money to fund their adventure. So there's quite a bit of different nuances that work campers are going to have. And again, it could go from very complex all the way just to maybe two W-2s, but it could get very complex. I would expect that many work campers think that because they have a domicile in one state, that's where they pay their taxes. But that's not necessarily true if they're working in multiple states, is it? That's correct. And that's one of the big things that we correct on a lot of returns is typically you're going to be taxed in the state where you're working. But many people, or they have a PO box in South Dakota, for example, is a big one. And they think they're going to just follow those regulations. But typically, you're going to be, you're going to be, each job will be taxed in the state that you work. So if you get, if you have multiple states, they may just leave all those states off of their federal income tax return thinking they're done when then they get a letter saying they may need to correct those things. And that's the biggest thing that we find, especially with people that are doing it themselves or from another. Okay. When people are working in multiple states like that, are they surrendering all of the taxes that have been withheld or do they generally get that return to them from those states? Most states have a reciprocity agreement to where there there won't be what's called double taxation, where they're paying both to the state they work in and to the state that they live in. There are some more of the, I don't want to call them greedy states like New York and maybe Pennsylvania, a couple of these places where they're going to tax you no matter what. But even on those cases where they are double taxed, 
there is usually some kind of credit. It might not be a full one-to-one credit, but it still might be that you still might get credit for at least the taxes that you're paying in those other states. But typically the states will have a reciprocity agreement. A lot of the New England states do, especially if you're, because you can live in one state and easily work within another, within a train ride or something like that. So that does play into the game with work campers as well, since they do typically work work in multiple states. So usually the goal would be to avoid that double taxation between states. As a tax professional, is there one state better than others that the work campers could consider to become a domicile? Well, I'm from the great state of Texas, so you know <laughs> I'm going to claim that Texas is the best place to be. And we're growing like crazy, so we're getting people from all over the country coming here. So I don't know if I want necessarily everybody coming here, but yeah, typically states with no income tax are going to have, first, they're going to be easier to file because if they're working in that state, there's no income tax. So that would be an advantage to some people if they're looking for those states that don't have income tax. But then there's obviously nuances where I know they want to travel the, travel the U.S., so there's going to be times when they're going to want to jump out of that state. So as far as a domicile, I recommend one of those states where there's going to be some some income earned in that state, and then you still may file another state return if you're working elsewhere. What about businesses? I know that a lot of RVers and work campers actually run businesses from their RV. Are there any tax considerations for those people who are doing businesses in multiple states? Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. There are many people that are running a business, and now you can be so mobile and so remote with your small business. Whereas even if they don't have an LLC or have a big company set up, they still are getting income from these sources where they're working. And again, there's so many businesses that are able to be ran like that, that we are seeing more and more Schedule C's. Even that plays in effect with Uber and DoorDash and these kind of things where they're considered self-employment, where yeah, it does make a difference what state you're in. It obviously depends on if you have a location and you could be the location, even if you're RV and you're selling a product, for example, you may have sales tax to consider depending on what you're doing. So the sales tax is a whole nother topic that they should, that everyone should consider as well, depending on the type of business that they're in, is there might be some sales tax considerations as well. If somebody was a writer and making income in a variety of states or wherever they go, do they have to pay individual state income tax in those states while they're actually in that state providing those services? It would depend on the, it would depend on each unique situation. That's a good, good way to have somebody that you trust that's in your corner to help with your taxes that does know your specific situation. There are times when you're going to be taxed only federally, for example, because you're doing typically services in many states aren't taxed as far as from a state perspective. So there are situations where they may fall into that top category where they're going to need to file an income, a state income return as well. But then there's other times where when they wouldn't need to file that state return depending on the type of income. Are there any deductions that work campers or RVers might be entitled to? Yeah. Unfortunately, they they have changed the rules when you're moving for a job. That was a big one that was back in four or five years ago when those were happening. Since then, those have gone away. But the big advantage, especially for those that are getting a 1099 of some kind or they're self-employed, there may be where they can write off their their RV, for example, they're a business with a home deduction, whereas they may think, I don't have a home. Whereas in many cases, the RV itself would be something that they could use as their office and take some deductions for that. So there's many things will fall into that same category when we get into 
meals and we get into travel or if we get into office supplies or cell phone, internet, all of those things that they're going to, everybody has to have. If they've got a small business, they can typically take advantage of those deductions as well. Years ago when I was full-time RVing, I was a journalist who covered the RV industry. And so I was running a business from my RV wherever I traveled. And I was told that I could deduct my motorhome and a lot of those expenses and the campground stays, et cetera, as long as I returned to Arizona at least once a year or intended to return to Arizona. Is that still true? Yeah, there's a lot of, there are some things that are based on intent. And so, yeah, if your goal is to, you're doing your job from afar or you're running your business from afar. And then again, if you're not, again, not taxed in those specific situations and you have the intent to return or you're doing a trip, for example, your journalism is everybody that you meet will be a client potentially or a way that you're earning your living. So yeah, in that case would definitely be a way to, you would be able to use all those deductions to your advantage. What about tax records? How long should people really keep them to avoid imperial entanglements? I would say forever, but I know that's not a realistic answer anymore. So seven years is probably plenty. Some people say three years, some people say five, some people say forever. I think seven is a good rule of thumb. Typically, the IRS won't go back farther than that unless there are some major issues. And at that point, everybody understands that they're going to be in a world of hurt if it took having to go back that many years to to do it. But I like the rule of seven. Seven years. That's very good. Nowadays, do you have to just keep the tax return or every receipt that you got for seven years? Yeah, it's there are a lot of apps where you can record these things digitally. It's great to have the receipts if you need them or if you are being diligent as far as your record keeping, writing on your bank statements or your credit card statements. The, there's the burden of proof that you would need to show. So did I actually make the expense? And that's one thing. And then was it used for business? And I have done a handful of audits where the credit card statement itself was good enough as long as they can easily show, okay, there's a meal at this state and I obviously do business in that state. Or if there's a cell phone records and I'm obviously using my cell phone. So the receipts aren't as important. Although if we're going by the IRS guidelines, they could want to see, re see receipts. But I do recommend apps like the Mile IQ, where you can just tap your mileage when you start and when you end, or some of these, re these apps where you can scan your receipt right away is a very easy way to do it. If you're doing it all at the same time or daily, rather than waiting to the last minute, again, that's hard to keep up your records, especially if you're traveling around the country in an RV, having a box or a bag of receipts is definitely not what I would recommend. And when we get those big bags of receipts from you guys coming in, just so you know, that does take extra time and therefore there's usually an extra expense. So do your, make it organized to whoever you're using and that will play into your advantage for sure. Are you familiar with any work campers actually being audited because of work camping jobs? Oh, I've seen, I don't think because you're work camping or whether you're a normal 1W2 worker, there's, they don't discriminate, I think, based on those things. But yeah, if you're, if you are having some of these nuanced situations that may put you in a bucket where you're more likely to be chosen just because you, your address may change a lot or your, your income may fluctuate quite a bit. That's another one that it's not normal to make a lot of money in the summer and then maybe nothing in the fall or something like that to where maybe there's or one year where you're making a lot and then maybe you're home caring for a loved one and then you are RPing for the year. So there are things that make it, that make your tax returns seem different which would then increase your likelihood. And now with the IRS being beefed up by 
They've gotten good how many million dollars they've just received that they're going to be. That's one thing they want to focus on is not even just tax fraud, but also just people that are doing incorrectly or ghost preparing where someone is filing it, but there's no record of that person. And that's what they're trying to go after to clean it up and increase their tax revenue based on those things. My mom was one of those folks who was deathly afraid of being audited by the IRS and for no reason. She had one job. She had her W-2 income and maybe a little bit of interest income from a bank, but she fretted every year about getting everything perfectly right. Is there a big difference? Could you put people at ease as to what constitutes fraud that would attract the attention of the IRS in a very negative way? Sure. Yeah, we get a lot of that where... Of course, even when I get a letter from the IRS and I get lots of them from lots of different people, it's always in a letter, what's it going to say? You never know what it's going to say. So everybody has that fear. I think that's a very common thing. So first of all, you're not alone in that. And then second, again, unless you're intentionally doing things that you need to be, that you deserve a letter for anyway, typically a letter is going to be clarifying something, correcting some misinformation, maybe you left something out. So again, something that might need to be dealt with. But again, it's not like they're going to be tracking you down at your doorstep trying to get this corrected. I will say the biggest thing is if you do get a letter, read it is the first thing and then respond. And they all have dates where you need to respond. They give you a month or two to respond. Typically, if you're nervous or you don't want to make that mistake, obviously bring it to somebody that can help you out with that. That's what our job is to help set people at ease with the IRS and be that middleman since we do deal with them more often than hopefully you do. But the big thing is just the response. So when I see people that, hey, I have 10 letters, I haven't opened any of them, then yeah, there's reason to have concern because you're not responsive. And then when you're not responsive, then it can get a little more a little more demanding and the letters can get a little more firm. But again, open them up and read them. And typically a response time within the first month or two is gonna be, is gonna be very normal. And that would be the goal is to be timely on those things. I have always heard that as well, that you should respond to those kinds of letters. And I've found that the IRS is generally very acceptable or willing to work with taxpayers and they're not like looking to play gotcha with anything like that. But yeah. when you respond, should you be sending it in writing and having it tracked so that you can prove that it's been responded to? Washington, D.C. is a huge bureaucracy where a letter could get lost, I would imagine. Yeah, I agree. I think you should, you should track it. They don't like it when you send your tax returns tracked. They go to a different, whole different place. So if you're, if you are mailing something, a tax return itself, I don't recommend it, but then you do want to keep your records that a picture or like a, of the, of that, of the letter, of the stamp, something like that to shows that you did it. As far as letters, typically they are going to be by mail and they're going to be by, and you can track those and those that shows that you've responded. And even sometimes an inquiry is I need more time. So there's, there are things where there's obviously things where there's deadlines on things and there's other responses where they may leave, need documentation or something. And if you, maybe that's in another state and you're gone for two months. And again, they can be reasonable if you're, if you have a legitimate reason for needing to postpone. So again, once you read it again, that, that helps you to make your, make an informed decision. And then I, and I recommend getting help. We do have a priority practitioner hotline. We get some expedited service. Again, not a miracle worker by any means, because even that we can be on the hold for hours at a time, but it does help to have that a little bit of better access than a normal taxpayer might. So telling them I'm traveling for the next three years probably isn't going to get 
get the response you want. Yeah, I guess there are limits. There are limits to everything. Eventually, you're going to have to pay the piper, but that's right. You can buy yourself a little time. One thing that I know is frustrating or concerning for work campers is some employers insist on treating work campers as independent contractors versus employees. And I guess that it's more important for people to be treated as employees than it is as contractors. Can you address any of that? Yeah, that's a really a big determining factor in, in how they're in their pay and their compensation is something that, that they should think about. Typically the rule of thumb is if I'm determining the hour somebody works, how they do their job, the specific tasks, and I tell them what they're doing, when they're doing it, then typically they're going to be a W-2'd employee. Whereas if they have the freedom to work it at night or work during the work when they choose to, or as much as they want or as little as they want or something like that, they may be a contract worker and that's totally fine. For example, if I'm, if I just let you run my tree, my Christmas tree stand and say, Hey, you make 10% of the profit and that's your pay. Then that would be totally reasonable to be a, a contractor where you're just working for your commission. For example, what you're going to make from it. Whereas if I say, Hey, you're going to work my Christmas tree stand, but I need you there from nine to five, you get Saturdays off and then, you know, you're making $20 an hour then you're going to be an hourly pay. So again, those are the differences depending on what the employer dictates of the job. Okay. So is there an advantage to work campers to have contracts or W-2s? Yeah, I think typically a, as a 1099 contractor, you're going to have more tax advantages because again, that opens up all the self-employment deductions rather than W-2s where now if you have a W-2 job and you're driving somewhere for your work, that's not deductible anymore or or your cell phone is not deductible anymore. Whereas it used to have, you used to have these available to you as a W-2 employee when those went away four or five years ago now. So now there is a lot of advantages to having a contract or at least one, even one during the year. Again, if you have intent of doing that job again, there could be some advantages where you can carry the, carry those things through throughout all year. So you can help work campers wherever they are in the United States, correct? They don't have to be in the Dallas area? That's right. Yeah. So we've got fiscal locations in New Mexico, California, Colorado, and Texas. And we specifically hire work embers and, and have physical locations there. But we do, we do tax returns for people in all 50 states. We even do some expats where they're working abroad or they've done some work abroad. And that opens up a whole new tax credit once you start venturing out to those that are a little more adventurous. But yeah, we can help anybody in any of those states help them yeah, figure out their tax situation. If people wanted to talk to you specifically about a tax issue or to hire you to work on their taxes, how could they get in touch with you? Yeah, I'm still in the trenches doing tax. I still love the tax work itself. So I can give my email out. If you guys want to grab a pen, I'll just send it. I'll spell it out for you guys. It's going to be Jackson Hewitt Tax Services at gmail.com. So I was early on and I got one of these emails that can for my external email. So Jackson Hewitt Tax Services at gmail.com. J-A-C-K-S-O-N-H-E-W-I-T-A-X-S-E-R-V-I-C-E-S at gmail.com. And again, my name is Matt Nelson. Definitely happy to help on your unique situation. Very good. Now, work. Jackson Hewitt hires a number of work campers every year around the country. Can you talk about some of those opportunities that people might have to make money by working for Jackson Hewitt? 
Yeah, we were one of the very first franchisees that, again, branched out and started using this as a hiring tool for our workforce. And it's been a great, it's been a great win-win for everybody, I think, in this situation. For example, how our franchise works is we bring people in from either December or January, and they come and stay at one of our physical locations and work for us through April 15 or so, which is a great timing when typically some of these national parks or some of these other jobs are going to be not open or not as favorable conditions to work to work in or live in, and they'll come to one of our locations. Or so there's a number of franchisees that do offer the work camping option and they'll come in, you'll get back into your professional environment. That's one big thing that people have loved is they can get back in, in, into the professional environment because many people came out of that environment to go and work camp and they get to fulfill the best of both worlds where they get to have their customer service and their get their professional feel and then they go out and do these many different things throughout the summer. So there are different options. Obviously we're on workcamper.com as the, as one of our sites that we hire out of. And there's a few franchises that do the same. So are these work campers preparing taxes for other people then? That's right. Yeah. So we'll, we will train somebody how to prepare taxes. Again, someone with no experiences, no experience in the tax world. We've got a pretty beefed up training session where we come in, teach you how to do taxes, teach you the common questions and nuances that you're going to see for the majority of customers. And again, we've got plenty of, of tax professionals that have experience. So when something comes up that they may not know, they get referred out to somebody else anyway, but our training will get you prepared. You can prepare 75% of the tax returns that you'll see no problem by physically preparing in an office. So is it as easy as the computer is saying, what is the income or what is the amount spent in this location, popping it in and then going to the next thing? And it just- Yeah, there, there's some data entry to it. There is definitely more to it than just the data entry. The Our software are great because it does eliminate some of the errors. If it sees something that is keystroke, may have been keystroke dead wrong, it'll ask you, are you sure you mean that? Maybe you have an extra zero that doesn't seem right. It'll make sure that we're doing our due diligence. Are we asking certain questions and then documenting those things to where it does help the client to where if they do get audited, we've already asked these questions, we have them documented and ready. So those are the, the big things that it, that the, that it helps eliminate these errors and problems that may come after the fact. And then a lot of things that do people don't quite understand is maybe they have more income or less income. How does that change? And so we teach on a more of on a level where we want you to understand how things change and why they change. And that way, it doesn't matter if it's $1 more or $10,000 more, the, the premise is the same to teach you why those things might change income, deductions, dependence, how these things work. So that way you can talk with someone that, that is, is going through the, these changes and then you can know why they're doing it. So the why is really what we teach. Would work campers be working out of their RV at a Jackson Hewitt office building, or would they be at like a remote location in a Walmart store? Yeah, we have offices. We have offices that are inside Walmart or that are inside a location. Typically we don't prepare and they don't want to prepare under their RV, obviously not the best atmosphere for that. So yeah, we typically will house them at an RV park or these homestead locations that we have. And then they will come into an office or a Walmart and prepare. Yeah, Jackson Hewitt typically has many of the Walmarts around around the U.S., especially in some of the smaller areas. So if they're more remote, then they're going to be able to be served in those locations as well. Can you talk about the kind of pay that a work camper could expect by preparing taxes for Jackson Hewitt? Yeah, pay is really dependent on each individual franchisor. So the, I would say probably pay range is going to be anywhere. And obviously it depends on the type, 
where in the country that you're preparing, but I would say anywhere from, you know, probably 13 to $20 an hour would probably be a range across the country of what you're seeing. And then in addition, you're going to be getting your, you know, again, this is a, for us specifically is you're going to be, we'll pay for your RV site and then some additional trainings or bonuses that you might earn. Again, I can't speak for everyone. Everybody's different. So don't hold me to that. Don't tell your boss that you're wanting these different things. Obviously, the more experience that you have, so we have a lot of number of work campers that come back to you after a year, and that's when those raises play into effect. They will want another advantage of returning to the same, whether franchisor or franchise franchisee does help because you still get those pay increases where you're, and you're showing that experience every year, and that really makes a big difference. How can people apply if they wanted to learn more about work camping jobs for Jackson Hewitt? Yeah, there's a handful on workcamper.com of specific locations that are being advertised on workcamper.com. Obviously, if you're one of one of those states that I mentioned and you're one of our areas, I'm happy to shoot me another email and I can put you in touch with our hiring team there. And But yeah, the biggest place is going to be that workcamper.com or the workcamper magazine. And it's important to remember that each of the offices is independently owned franchise or several, right. several offices are owned by the same company, but they can all be different. So the ones in Texas will be different from the ones in Wisconsin or Iowa or New York City for that matter. Yeah, definitely. And you don't necessarily have to be a work camper by any means to, to work for Jackson Hewitt. We hire all kinds of people and there's room for everybody nation all across the where we feel we probably, I don't know, probably say at least 10X or 20X, probably the number of employees that we have during the tax season. And so that's why it's a great, it's a great overflow for those people that, that want to jump back into the professional atmosphere. Like I mentioned, learn a skill that you can, even if you don't want to prepare taxes the following year, you're learning that skill and you're going to be able to do it, do it for yourself, which is a great added value that you just provided for yourself. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Matt. I appreciate the time. Sounds like you're a good resource to have if people needed taxes prepared but also somebody to contact if they want jobs preparing taxes for other people. So I wish you That's the best right. of luck. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Yeah, happy to help anybody that I can, and whether it's looking to prepare taxes or whether it's needing taxes prepared, I'm happy to help. Thanks for having me, Greg. I'm grateful to Matt Nelson for coming on the show today to talk about tax issues pertaining to work camping, as well as a way for people to make some pretty good money by preparing taxes for others. Taxes are a tricky subject that many people don't like to talk about. They may find the subject confusing or aggravating. If they're like my mother, they live in needless fear of making a mistake on their taxes. So I appreciate Matt for helping to alleviate those fears with practical and useful information comply with tax laws while still taking advantage of every possible deduction. If a work camper has any questions about their tax status or issues about selecting a domicile state, it's a good idea to talk to people like Matt now rather than waiting until the middle of a busy tax season. In addition to preparing taxes for work campers, Jackson Hewitt also hires work campers to prepare taxes for others. Working for Jackson Hewitt has been a favorite work camping job for people who are friendly, patient, and willing to provide a valuable service to others. The jobs start in December and continue through April 15th when tax forms or extensions need to be filed. Matt noted it's a great job to have because people can make good incomes working for Jackson Hewitt early in the year and still have time to get to a summer job at a popular tourist destination. Preparing taxes is a professional type job performed either in Jackson Hewitt offices or at satellite locations such as Walmart kiosks. 
No experience is necessary because Jackson Hewitt provides all the training needed to learn what forms to fill out. WorkCampers also learn how to use the company's software to guide them in collecting all the information needed to calculate taxes due or a possible refund. In fact, Matt says the training is so thorough that WorkCampers will be able to prepare tax forms for 75% of the people they encounter without any problems at all. For those situations that require a little more knowledge of the tax code, there are full-time Jackson Hewitt tax professionals available at each location. They can either help a WorkCamper fill out the proper forms or simply handle the more difficult types of returns themselves. Preparing taxes for Jackson Hewitt usually requires work campers to ask a series of questions prompted by the company's software. The training also explains how changes to a life situation, such as the arrival of a new dependent or a divorce, can impact taxes. That way, work campers can also help customers better understand how and why that affects their taxes. Work campers are paid between $13 and $20 per hour depending on the location. The company also pays for an RV site and work campers can qualify for bonuses as well. For more information about the opportunity to prepare taxes at Jackson Hewitt, people can look for the company's advertisements at workcamper.com or visit www.jacksonhewitt.com forward slash careers. Today's episode is brought to you by the featured employers at workcamper.com. These work camper employers have taken the extra step to share some photos and detailed information about their work camper programs. Opportunities exist for solos, couples, and families, whether they're full-time, part-time, seasonal, or even long-term jobs. Some are income opportunities and others involve volunteering at locations throughout the United States. Go to workcamper.com forward slash FE to meet the featured employers today. Employers who are seeking to hire work campers can learn about the benefits of year-round recruiting by becoming a featured employer. More information about featured employers is available at workcamper.com forward slash FE details. That's all I have for this week's show. Next week, I'll be speaking with a woman who is an experienced RVer who also runs multiple businesses teaching people how to use their own RVs. I'll have that interview on the next episode of The Work Camper Show. Thanks for listening.